0: Murder, divorce, drugs. Our courts are full of stories, scary, sad, and hilarious. Most are tales stranger than fiction. These are true law stories brought to you by videocasestory.com, the ultimate resource for customer and client video stories. All right, we're going to talk Florida man on this true law stories. I've got Chris Parker with Hendry Parker. Chris, say hi. Hey. And we're going to talk about one Florida man that went to a college party and it led to sexual battery charges two years later. We're going to talk about the Florida man flaccid penis case, which is hilarious. And, you know, Florida's liberal and surprising nudity laws that I didn't know living in Florida most of my life. And about a disabled man who was attacked in his home by a Florida man bully and was accused of attempted murder. We're talking about is it stand your ground and at the five day trial around stand Your ground. all this on true law stories. But first, this is brought to you by videocasetory.com. One of the best ways to tell your stories is through video case stories. Go to videocasetory.com where we can help you collect, craft, and deliver amazing stories. All right, let's get started. There are some crazy stories. There's some interesting stories. There's a recent murder attempted murder charge that we're going to talk about before we get into it, Chris, just let's talk to a little bit about yourself and your firm. How did you get into law? how did you get into criminal defense?
1: Well, when I was in law school, I always said there's two, two things or three things I'd never do. I said, I'd, ne- I'd never do corporate law. I'd never do family law. I'd never do criminal law. And it just so happens that those are the three things I've, I've done. I haven't done anything else.
0: Uh, but
1: I I tried it as a prosecutor for a while, and I really liked it, and I had a a lot of fun at trial. And uh, after that, that's when I I, I went out to D.C. or went up to D.C. and did uh, corporate law, and uh, it was just so boring to me. Uh, Everything's boring after you prosecute for three years. So I came back and, and got back into defense practice.
0: Nice, nice. And so how long have you been doing criminal defense? Oh
1: man, I would say about five, six years. I did it for myself for a couple of years. And then I partnered up uh, with a friend of mine who was actually a public defender while I was a prosecutor. And we used to kind of go at each other and we had a a mutual respect for one another. So later down the road, we we, we teamed up and and that's Don Hendry, my partner.
0: That's really cool. That's a cool story. You don't hear that that often, but uh, you know, it's usually you're both on the same side or both were prosecutors together. not one with opposite sides that's really really cool so you've got these crazy stories i want to i think the last one we went against is the recent attempted murder but when you were a prosecutor you had some crazy crazy stories one about a singer at uc a singer son at ucf
1: i actually was a defense attorney at that point that wasn't too long ago yeah that was a defense case we had a um a famous country singer who I won't mention his name, but his, uh, his son was a bit of a partier and i uh, like to have a good time. I'm guilty here too, you know, in college and spent a lot of time over at UCF. He had actually gone to school in Daytona Beach, the aviation school over there. And not a, not a lot of girls over there. So UCF, a little different. So he would come over and hang out at UCF. I went out with his buddies one night, met a girl, They had all had several drinks. They go back to his friend's place because he didn't live there. And the two of them, you know, they have a good time. The facts were that, uh, you know, they go back to his friend's apartment alone while his buddy stayed at the club and um, had a good time. And um, when the friends came home, uh, she took to one of his buddies as well. And, uh, and they went down and had, uh, a good time in his car. Um, the next day or later, let's say later that night, um, the guys take her home very late at night. Um, they watch her go into her dorm. Um, she wakes up the next day and realizes that she had had intercourse. Um, and she panics. She doesn't know what to do. She ends up going to student health. And they verify that she did have intercourse. And um, so they, the police are called because she has no memory of any of this. And uh, DNA is taken. Um, They track one of the one of the people's DNA as one of the students who was actually my client's roommate. And, uh, and they arrest him and charge him with sexual battery. our guy, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't get uh, arrested because his DNA is not in the system. A couple of years later, he ends up getting in trouble for something else in Florida. Uh, and they took his DNA. And then, boom, two years later, they have a match for the girl at UCF. Um, and so they go up to Tennessee and bring him down, end up arresting here in Florida uh, on sexual battery charges. And, uh, you know, these were two people who were having a good time. The only problem was only, you know, one remembered it. Um, and since she didn't remember it, the state moved forward with uh, charges of battery and were never really clear on what their theory of the case was. Um, but it seemed as if that they thought that these two guys had both um, had intercourse with the victim at the same time, which is simply not what happened um that case didn't go to trial Uh, our client ended up playing out short of trial but that was one that we really were looking forward to going on uh because we felt that it had a lot of jury appeal
0: and how do you defend a case like that because these are cases are you know we've talked about them a lot on this show and and they're sensitive cases obviously and right now you know it's more guilty until proven innocent right Uh, on these types of cases
1: Yeah, it does seem like that. Unfortunately, um, he was able to bond out. So, you know, during the entire time, you know, he was able to be free. He he wasn't in jail waiting trial for, for two years. Uh, but that's just because his family is wealthy and he has money and he, but you know, if that weren't the case, um, he would say he would sat in jail for a very long time because the bond was so high. you know, another thing is he was able to plead to this case and probably be okay because of his, his name and his family's wealth. But, um, you know, the co-defendant, I don't know if that's the case or not. I know he pled as well, but, um, you talk about a hit to your record. I mean, to be a sexual predator and a convicted felon, um, over consensual sex, uh, is, you know, that, 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 that's, that's a life sentence in itself.
0: Yeah. It is. I mean, even the accusations, right? Because even if you're completely innocent, just the accusation doesn't get taken off the internet, does it?
1: No, not at all. And uh, a lot of the damage has already been done. However, um, it could have been a lot worse. You know, he didn't have to do jail time as part of his uh, plea agreement. Uh, But, you know, at the end of the day, you really hate to see your your client plea uh, to anything that that makes them a, a life sex offender in the state of Florida. Oh,
0: it's so scary. It's so scary. You know, I have a kid, you know, I have a son and I'm like, Oh man, you get, you get nervous about them being out there. It's like, just let, let me lock you in the room for till you're like 30.
1: Yes. It is a different, a totally different world than w- when you and I went to college. Um, there's, there's a totally different world and we have to teach our young people. And it's a good thing. You know, it is a good thing that, um, that there are repercussions uh, for your actions in certain situations. However, sometimes, you know, I think we always tend to overstep with a knee jerk reaction. And I, and I think there's a lot of gray area and this case presented one of those unique situations where, you know, was this consensual? And just because someone may or may not have a memory of it, does that make it wrong for them to have consented? And how is someone supposed to know when someone's going to lose their memory? Um, so there's a lot of aspects for a jury to consider in a case like that.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It's, it, it's crazy because it's like, I mean, could have hit her head, right? And <laughs> you don't know what, what caused the, the memory loss.
1: Well, you know, there was a long walk home from the bar. Um, and that, you know, kind of tells me that she, she was good enough, to, you know, at least aware enough. And she had her faculties uh, uh, control over faculties enough to walk, about a quarter, three quarters of a mile, uh, walk up a set of steps. Uh, so, you know, to me, it, it's, it's different than carrying someone out of a bar. And I know there's some area in between those two. Um, but to say that he, he's, he is supposed to know that she is in a position where she's unable to consent is a tough ask for a kid who's, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old. I
0: know, I know. It's like nowadays, I mean, they have apps for that now. Right here, sign the app. Uh, It's crazy. It is crazy. And you're just seeing a lot more of that, aren't you?
1: We are. Yeah. And especially on college campuses and, and, and a lot of them, you know, for good reason, there, there are people, um, who prey on those who are incapacitated on college campuses and that's unacceptable. Um, but, uh, you know, you can't overstep and you have to realize that these are kids and that kids are out there exploring, they're making poor decisions, uh, and should sometimes a, a poor decision cost you the rest of your, of your life, because if it did, uh, I, I can speak for myself. I would be buried under the jail. There's no doubt about
0: that. All right. So speaking on a lighter note, about, I guess this is a sex episode. Uh, well, the first parts of it, you had an argument over flaccidity. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to use it. Flaccidity. That
1: was a show on Fox. Wasn't it? I, I think I saw it. Flaccidity. You know, I, I hope that I'm not, we, we around here, we call it the flaccid penis case and I, and I hope this is not my legacy. If I even have a legacy, I don't want people talking about my name 80 years from now, um, uh, attached to this case. But it is, it is kind of funny because, you know, when you first start taking cases as a defense attorney, you're not, you're not real particular about the ones you take. And, uh, that was my case when I first started and I had a gentleman come to me and he liked, he, he liked to be nude. He, he enjoyed his, his, his free, his freeness and his, his body. He liked to express his body. Problem was he, he was a sex offender and, um, The neighbors knew he was a sex offender, so when this client uh, was watering his plants without any clothes on, he had some upset neighbors that uh, weren't so happy about it. The problem is, and you know, this is true, in the state of Florida, you can be nude. You can. You just can't be lewd. I think devious is one of the words they use, so there's, there's some components to being nude, before it's disorderly. Now, if a little, you know, bus full of kids were to drive by, that, that might be a factor, you know, that could get it to that point. But at this point the neighbors kept calling the police and the police kept coming out and they kept having to tell the neighbors, hey, there's nothing we can do. We've looked at the statute, we've talked to the Sarge and the Sarge says, Hey, there's we've talked to the state attorney, you know, we've we've taken all, all the way up the flagpole and for lack of a better term, there's nothing we can do about this guy until you can prove that he's done something lewd. So the next call comes in, and that's the one where I got involved. (laughs) And I kid you not, the alleged victim in this case was across the street and claims that he was reading a book of poems. And when asked at trial whose book was it, he said Robert Frost. He was reading a book of Robert Frost poems when he noticed out of the corner of his eye my client step around the corner masturbating while he was staring at this gentleman while he was reading his book of poems. And so masturbating was one of those uh, aggravating factors, right, that could have taken it to uh, him getting charged with uh, indecent exposure. And so and they knew that. These guys knew that, the, the, the guy across the street and the neighbor. And uh, so they called the police. They said, hey, this time he's, 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 he's playing with it. It's not just out; he's got it in his hand, and he's manipulating it uh, while he's looking at me. So they said, "Well, that you know, that's enough." So they came out, and uh, be mentioned that he came over with a video to record him as well. And um, while he's recording our client in his in his nude uh, version. Tells him to go away because they were standing on his sidewalk in front of his house recording him and he was saying go away, but he was he was naked. So you could see that he was naked and it was very grainy footage, but at some point you could stop the, the, the still shot. And there it is in all of its glory, the star of the show, my client's uh, member. And the trial hinged on whether or not... The- the penis was flaccid or erect because this was just seconds after he said he had been manipulating it. So here we are in a court full of taxpayer, taxpayer, you know, jury members, taxpayer court. And, uh, we have a still shot up on the big screen of the big TV paid for by taxpayer dollars, arguing as to whether or not the penis is flaccid or it's erect. And, uh, so that's what closing arguments came down to. Is you know, you know, you've seen a lot of penises, folks, and this penis right here is is not is not an erect penis. We had a very tight ish judge, and she is not one for nonsense. But every time I see her, she just kind of snickers now and just kind of shakes her head and laughs. But uh, I thought we defended our our guy very well. I mean, we, we we had a great strategy. I tried to come up with like a Johnny Cochran rhyme about the flaccid penis. If it's If it's not erect, you can't convict. I mean, there was a lot of different ideas, but the jury came back in two hours. We had them out two hours, but they were guilty. I mean, you know, what would you do as a juror? The guy didn't mind. You know, he's like, ah, I think the judge ended up giving him what the state offered to him before trial anyway, which is very fair because a lot of times our clients get kind of punished for going to trial. Uh, But she, I think he ended up doing 30 to 60 days in, in county and he said, ah,
0: that's a cinch. I can, that's easy time. I've got a question though. Is the filming of someone in their yard, is that allowed? I mean, are you, are you really allowed to do that?
1: Well, he was filming from the sidewalk. So if you're in your front yard, you really don't have a um, expectation of privacy. Um, you know, if, if you walk into someone's house and you start filming, then I think, you know, obviously it's a different thing. Or even in their backyard, maybe. Uh, but there has to be that, um, uh, uh, expectation of privacy.
0: Awesome. So we're going to take a quick short break and when we come back, we're going to talk about your recent big case that you had. And, uh, I want to talk all about that, but first we'd we'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. All right, we're back. I've got Chris Parker. You know, if you missed that first half, there's some funny stuff. There's some scary stuff, but now we're going to talk. It's, it's an attempted murder case, right? That you just had. Uh,
1: yeah a very interesting case out of um, Pasco County, which is kind of the capital of like Florida man you know um, a, lot, a lot of the Florida man cases you see come out of Pasco county um, very Florida like facts um, you have a, uh, a you have a couple uh, who were married um, but these weren't your typical Pasco County couple. I mean, they were, they were very, they, they lived in Lutz, which is really close to Hillsborough County. Um, the, the, our client, the male was a, um, an engineer, a civil engineer, uh, and his wife is a physicist and, um, they had, uh, gotten a divorce. He had had, uh, brain cancer and, and suffered nine brain surgeries. And so he was kind of just a, uh, small, portion of what he used to be, you know, and, um, so things didn't work out. They had a three-year-old child. She left the home, went to move in with her new boyfriend, uh, who was a family friend, by the way. Um, and then she wanted some time sharing. So a few months after she'd moved out, she petitioned the court, the family court in Pasco County for some time sharing. And, uh, back in March of 2018, uh, on the day in question, the judge said, uh, go pick up the boy today. Um, but you got to have him back on Friday. Cause she hadn't seen him in a while, so she goes over to the home to pick up uh, her her son from my client's house. My client's there, living with his mom. His mom takes care of him because he's fully disabled. Um, uh, my client answers the door and pushes the bag out to the door for the young boy. Um, But his mom felt like it wasn't enough. She she kind of shook the bag and she said, this is not enough. He needs more than this. So she barges her way into the home and she goes into the bedroom and she brings her boyfriend with her, who is a a, a very big man, uh, very imposing, a former bouncer uh, in South Tampa. He comes into the house with him. And and so at this point, it becomes a precarious situation because you've got... uh, the, the estranged wife, her new paramour, mom, my client, and his three-year-old boy. And then to make things even, well, at this point, Michael starts to record because he knows it's, it's a precarious situation. And um, to make things even worse, the, the new boyfriend uh, begins insulting and saying terrible things to my client. Uh, he starts talking about, I'm going to take your kid, I'm going to show him how to be a man. Uh, he starts insulting his father, my client's father, who was a homosexual. Um, just all the vulnerabilities that this guy has, he was attacking. He was a, it's a classic bully behavior, right? Uh, but my client stayed calm. His mom stayed calm. They followed him around the house, uh, with the phone. And, uh, he kept saying things to try to provoke my client, but it wasn't working. And then, um, he tells, um, the wife uh, Bill is the, is the guy that comes over the the new boyfriend. Uh, he tells, uh, the wife, go search the house, go look for all of your things while you're here, you know, and it's, it becomes kind of territorial almost. And my client's telling them that they're not welcome to be there. So fast forward, uh, time goes by, it's all on videotape and, uh, they're finally ready to leave after being there for several minutes, uh, in the house. And as my client is hugging his child goodbye, he has the phone in his hand. And all of a sudden, hell kind of breaks loose. His phone appears to be grabbed. And then the phone starts shaking. uh, Watching it on the video, you just see the screen start shaking. And you hear some screaming. And um, what it appears is that his estranged wife took the phone from him and grabbed it. He reached to grab it back, and when he reached to grab it back from her, that's when the new boyfriend pounced on him, and Michael, being a cancer patient who survived nine brain surgeries, plus uh, can't, he can barely see has terrible hypotropia, his eyes are looking both way, different ways, um, he gets pounced, and he gets thrown to the ground, and at this point, the phone goes down, and you can't see anything else. You can just hear it. But when it slowed down, you can see the phone kind of moving away from Michael, Michael getting tackled and going to the ground, which proved to us that his ex-wife or his estranged wife had the phone in her hand that time. Um, he gets pounced. His mother kicks, uh, Bill to get him off of her son, my client and my client finds his way in a bleeding, just a bloody mess. Crawls about 10 feet away to his bedroom and is able to, um, to get his weapon. And at that point, he walks out of the doorway and is about 10 feet away. Uh, and that's the consensus is he was about 10 feet away from Bill. And when he comes out of the bedroom, he aims the gun and his testimony is that, uh, Bill lunged towards him. Uh, he ends up firing four shots over a period of about 11 to 12 seconds. Um, and finally, Bill makes his way around the house and out the door. Um, three shots connected, which is not bad for a guy with terrible vision. Um, but he caught one. He caught one in the back of the shoulder right here, and he says that was the first shot. And, he, and 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 the alleged victim also says that he was facing my client when he was hit by that shot. So if you look at the point of entry being right here, which is considered a back shot because if you take a line and you draw it down your body, down the seam of your pants, anything behind that's a back shot. And we always think of that as a cowardly shot, right? But what if I'm coming at you and I'm leaning like this and you shoot me right here? That's a back shot. But you're lunging towards me. And it's sort of amazing how um flexible the human body can be in distressful times. And and we had um Um, A gentleman named uh, Massad Ayub, uh, who is a firearms expert who came in and testified about this. But the shots and the wounds to the alleged victim were consistent with him coming forward like this, like Michael said he did. And then he had another shot that went in here and came out here, which is also consistent with someone who's coming towards you. And we demonstrated all that in court. And uh, the last shot went through the back here and out the other side. So it just kind of skimmed his back fat for lack of a better. That's not a medical term. But um, it went to the side of his back and came out. He's a big, big guy. Um, And he got out the last shot went through the door. Uh, That shot was problematic. Because we have to prove that our clients in reasonable fear of his life. And the last shot you could hear uh, kind of court, you know, it went with the the door slamming shut, and then you hear the last fire. So, was the last shot meant to kill? And was he aiming it at the um, the alleged victim? And if he was, was he in reasonable fear for his life as the gentleman was running out? So here we have a guy who shot someone technically in the back three times, and then put one in the door as he was leaving. And the whole time on the video, you can hear the audio of this man who was smug as all hell before the shots started firing. Now is screaming like a young girl running out of the house, which, you know, so would I um, if I was being shot at in close quarters like that. But uh, it was a tough case because we had to prove to the jury that our, our client was in reasonable fear of his life um, when he shot this guy three times which connected on the backside of his body. They were back shots.
0: That's really interesting because, yeah, and I mean, we think about all these other cases where people get off, where it's like, oh, you know, like, was he really defending himself, or did he just shoot the person? But this, I mean, especially when someone's so small, and you know, or you know, I'm, I'm assuming from your description, I mean, disabled, right? And had, was yeah. just beaten in his own home. So the fact that it was in his house, did that have anything to play? Does that have any type of play into this?
1: Well, we were really unable to, um, sort of exert the castle doctrine because technically his estranged wife was still on the lease. And she, the argument was that she had a legal right to be in the house and invite her, her new boyfriend into the house with her. Um, but this was a classic Stand Your Ground case. And, you know, there are a lot of opinions about Stand Your Ground. And, you know, there are some good ones, there are some bad ones. But um, there have been some good decisions on Stand Your Ground, there have been some bad ones. Uh, but this may be the, the, the one where I saw that they really got it right. Um, because my client was a victim in this case. And th- I think the jury saw it that way. Uh, the way the state was trying to frame it was that my client attacked his estranged wife. And when all that commotion went on with her grabbing his phone, they charged him with domestic battery for going for going at her. And if we could pull the rug out and show that he didn't commit domestic battery, he was trying to receive, retrieve his property that she had just snatched from him. Then we could show there was a defense to that. And if there's no domestic battery, then it's a chain reaction. Now, Bill has no right to tackle him. And he and he has the right to defend himself in his house. So that's sort of what we did at the trial was we, we, we pulled the rug out from the video on the domestic battery charge, uh, by slowing it down and showing that she took the phone from him and he was trying to get it back. Oh
0: my gosh. So how long did the trial last?
1: Five days. We were there Monday morning, uh, picked a jury, uh, started going on Tuesday and then ended on Friday.
0: Throughout that point, what were your feelings like? Did you ever feel like, oh, we're, this isn't going to work? Or were you like, I, I, was there a point where you're like, oh, this is, we've got this?
1: Yeah. You know, honestly, it kind of progressed throughout the week. Um, when we selected our jury, I felt really good about it. Um, you know, if you're picking a, a jury for someone who defended themselves in their house with a gun, personally, I, I want some gun-friendly people on there. Um, and that's what was talked about, um, was people who are going to be um, very um, sympathetic to self-defense uh, with a firearm, regardless of where the shots hit. And once the fi- – people who would understand that once the firing started, it was, it was going to have to be uh, – the threat was going to have to be extinguished until it was totally gone, that there's no stopping to say, oh, wait, wait. Seems like now you're not a threat anymore. Oh wait, you're a threat again. Now you're not a threat again. Like, they know that once it starts, it doesn't stop. And so when we were able to select a jury of those what we felt like were those types of people, um, we felt pretty good. We felt like we gained momentum throughout the rest of the time. And uh, you know, the state star witness in that case, they said was the video, but it had to be the victim, and the victim had had the likability of, of cancer. I mean, he was, he was terrible. I mean, he, he, he was a completely different person on the video than he was on the stand. And we, we highlighted that in the closing, we had a video bill versus witness Stan William, and we highlighted the differences between the two people. And, uh, you know, with, with those problems that the state had, you know, we, we felt pretty good and the jury was only out for an hour, which, you know, yeah. I think the, 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 flaccid
0: penis was two hours. So if you're, if
1: you're, if you're taking notes, <laughs> this one was one hour. Yeah. Oh man.
0: So, I mean, obviously the, what'd you, what were you feeling when the jury went out?
1: Felt good. Um, felt really good about the close. Um, I did the close myself. And so um, almost two hours of just kind of highlighting different areas. It didn't feel like two hours because uh, you know, you're, you're, putting the entire trial in summation and highlighting your points. And um, we felt really good. Um, I, I can't speak for my partner. I can't speak for my client, um, but I know that I, I felt really good. And then when, when the, the bailiffs call us back in, in one hour, it felt even better because usually that means that's good news for a defense.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, when you see that one hour, you're like, oh yeah, that's good.
1: I mean, I, I don't think they could have read the jury instructions in an hour. I mean, they were this thick, you know, you had, uh, a ton of different jury instructions. It took us probably two or three hours to go through, uh, with the judge before we even sent the jury out. Um, but yeah, I I think that they knew what they wanted to do when they
0: went back there. Wow. Now, how'd that feel when you, when you heard not guilty?
1: Oh, it's awesome. There's no feeling like it in any other law that I've ever, or anything I've ever done. Honestly, it's just exhilarating. Um, you know, the gentleman beside me, had his whole life you know and uh that that's good to be able to walk him out to his car and uh and see him off and know he never has for five years he had to worry about this for five years and uh, five years the weight of the entire state of florida was on, on his back and uh that's got to take years off of someone's life i mean it's stressful to me i can't imagine how stressful it was to him so to to have him sort of you know vindicated uh, and, and be able to have the, all the charges completely dismissed. We're now working on the expungement of a attempted murder charge, which I can say never expunge that before.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean it, it sounds valid and uh, wow, man, that's amazing. Well, thank I mean, these have been fantastic stories. I know we've had other stories too. I'm going to have to have you back because this was just fun but chris you know if you tell us about the types of cases you handle obviously criminal defense Mm -hmm. but tell us about the types of cases you handle and and how we get in touch with you if someone needs your help in the tampa area
1: yeah absolutely um i'm with hendry and parker Uh, my partner don hendry and i uh practice criminal defense law Uh, we also practice family law divorces uh child custody matters um all the good stuff so only the stuff that, that that uh is 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 hard and, and you don't get paid quite as much is what we've just somehow decided to do. But, uh, we, we enjoy it. There's never a boring day. Um, and that's what kind of keeps us going. But, uh, yeah, criminal defense, family law, uh, and a little bit of personal injury as well. Uh, we can, uh, be contacted, uh, through our website at, uh, hendryparker.com, And that's H E N D R Y P A R K E R.com. And, uh, we're open 24 hours. We're, we're available 24 hours at 727-205-5555.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And we'll put links to all that, of course, in the show notes if you're watching this on YouTube. Also, that we'll put a link to their Facebook page. You can follow them on Facebook. But, Chris, thank you so much for being on True Law Stories and sharing these amazing stories.
1: Thank you, Ian. I appreciate it. It's been fun.
0: Awesome. And thank you for taking Chris and I on your journey. Uh, this has been Iron Garlic and True Law Stories. True Law Stories has been brought to you by videocasestory.com. Testimonials stink. No one wants to watch a testimonial or read a case study. You need video case stories for your business. Go to videocasestory.com to learn more.